Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8.com. Welcome to Needlestack, the podcast for professional online research. I'm your host, Matt Ashburn. By the way, OSINT is my favorite flavor of ice cream, and we're here with Jeff. Well, I'm Jeff Phillips, tech industry veteran and curious to a fault, and today we're discussing the dark web map. Uh, we're going to talk about what it is, how it can be leveraged as an information resource, and, and most importantly, probably uh, the things you need to consider whenever you're accessing the dark web. That's right, Jeff. And in fact, our next several episodes and guests will be focused on this topic, the dark web, and exactly what that means. But today we're going to start with the basics, uh, because while a lot of people have heard of the dark web, uh, many don't understand how it works or maybe never have accessed it and maybe just be a little curious about the dark web or Tor, or all these other terms you may have heard about. And so it might be a bit of a mystery to a lot of people. And for sure, the dark web is associated typically with criminal activity, but there are both legitimate and illegitimate uses of the dark web. So for example, legitimate uses can include things like protecting uh, communications so that they're resistant to censorship and, and regimes uh, that are maybe oppressing free speech, uh, or in a country perhaps that is maybe more hostile and is monitoring communications. You want to secure those communications in a way uh, that even if it's monitored, they can't detect who is sending what message to whom. But there are also some illegitimate uses of dark webs as well. They can not only protect free speech, they can also protect criminal activity or give the appearance of protecting criminal activity with lots of forums and delivery mechanisms for malware, stolen information, or illegal products and services. Uh, that you know, I love that you, Matt, gave both uh, and gave first the, the the legitimate reasons, right? A lot of people I talk with don't realize that there are legitimate reasons uh, for for using the dark web, and, and you nailed that with uh, with the different communications methods from certain you know under certain regimes. Um, I think another thing to set up for people is um, if if people have heard of the dark web or search on it, they often will see this. People use an iceberg to describe it. So in the context of well, we have uh, the surface web. Um, we have the deep web and then there's the dark web. And and the way you tend to think about it is the surface web is what we all access every day. It's where you go for your regular news sites. Um, it's freely available and accessible through a standard browser, right? So whether you use Chrome, you use Edge, you use Safari, Firefox, etc. cetera. Um, it's what you get to, to go to your news sites, get your email, whatnot. Now, um, the other key thing is you can use search engines. It's it, the surface web is indexed, right? So you can use Google. I can go in and look for topics and Google will present all these results because it's out indexing all of these sites. So on the surface web, everything's indexed um, and, it's, and it's accessible through, um, through a browser that I have on my machine. Um, 
Then you have the deep web, which is similar, but it's the part of the internet that um, it's going to sit behind paywalls, uh, even like accessing your Netflix account, you know, or your bank account uh, behind a username and password. So it has requires some sort of account to log in. Um, that could be academic research and databases. So, you know, surface web, it's freely available. You get to it with your browser. Deep web, you're going to get to it through your standard browser also, uh, but then you're going to have to have a login uh, to get past that. And then what we're here to talk about, then the dark web, uh, the smallest area, at least by what researchers and academics say in terms of what percentage of the internet it makes up. But the, the dark web is an area of the internet um, that can only be ex, uh, accessed using specific software. And you have to download and have access to the specific software. Um, and that allows you to go and access the dark web, which is basically an overlay network to the internet, right? And it's got uses all kinds of special routing uh, and encryption to provide some of the anonymity we're going to go into. But you the, the key takeaway here at our basics level is you can't just use your Chrome browser or Firefox um, and go into Google, say dark web and get to a dark web uh, address or a dark website. That's exactly right. And that's an important note. And when people hear dark web, they may think it's just one, one thing, one entity, one type of technology, but really the dark web is a broader term that applies to technologies, software, and also dark networks that make up various dark webs. So that may sound a little confusing, right? So let, let's take a little step back. Uh, the most well-known dark net that is a dark web network is Tor. T-O-R, it's the onion router. Uh, there are also some other dark webs and dark nets that are out there, such as ZeroNet, I2P, as well as FreeNet. Uh, each of these, really, for, for the sake of this show, they work off of a different network model and have different levels of anonymity, location concealment, and also different types of encryption that are used as well. Okay. By far, though, Tor is the most popular. So when you hear dark web or dark net, Tor is typically what people are referring to. And it was actually conceptualized by U.S. government researchers back in the 1990s who were concerned about communication privacy on the Internet. They were looking at the Internet and how it was growing, how people are using it. And they were concerned that if someone were monitoring a communication network, that perhaps they could glean information uh, about two parties if they were communicating together. So the problem they were trying to solve was how do we ensure communications can be anonymous and also encrypted, uh, even if the network communication itself was monitored. So, mm -hmm. so that can be a difficult challenge. And the solution was essentially Tor, onion routing. And that essentially is a term to describe the way in which traffic can tunnel through multiple nodes on the way to the end destination of the client, making it really, really hard to trace the origin of that content or that communication. And, and the, the thing, you know, for some of us that are not as technical and get into the routing, that next layer um, to be able to access. So when I'm talking to people, the, the dark web is always a fun dinner topic uh, with, with people that get very interested in it. But, you know, the, you think about, uh, they may have even heard about the Tor browser. So to get access to that Tor network, you need to use the Tor browser, which you can, I mean, anybody can go right now um, online, you can go and download it. That it's it's uh, open source, it's freely available. You can, you can download it and on the surface web, so through your Chrome browser, you can go and download the Tor browser. Um, and it's the only browser um, that will uh, allow you to resolve or use the addressing scheme that the forms and marketplaces use uh, on the Tor network, which are called dot, you know, it's a dot onion, uh, um, URL addressing scheme. And if, if you've not seen it, so it doesn't look, you know, as you know, www.needlestack.com is a very 
clean, simple address uh, on the surface web. On the dark web, they're very long, they're much more complex, and the addresses are always changing. Um, we'll, as we go through this, get more and more, and then how do you find your way around? But it's not that easy, uh, and that's kind of the point. But, um, you know, from one hand, you can just download this browser onto your computer and off you go. But, you know, that's probably not the best thing to do. Yeah, that's right. And you can access the dark web, and especially Tor, right, using the Tor browser. It's not always the best option. It's not always recommended. And that's because Tor is encrypted. It's anonymous or mostly anonymous, uh, but it's not perfect, right? It doesn't have features built in to protect you from malware, for example, right? It doesn't isolate you from that stuff. So you can still come across malicious content. So you just need to be aware of that and just be a bit cautious there. So you need to have not only the Tor browser installed or something similar to that, you also want to make sure that you have some kind of isolation between you and the malicious or potentially malicious content that you're accessing. So uh, think about using maybe a virtual machine or a dedicated laptop, something like that. Uh, there are also some managed attribution solutions out there and browser isolation services with Tor access that are built in. Uh, that can also be a great assistance and provide you not only the access that you need, but also security benefits as well. So as an investigator, the last thing we want to do is to infect our, our corporate network or our organization's network while we're trying to investigate a case. For sure. All right. So we've talked about what it is. Um, now we've gone into how, how to access it, right? So what are the ways and, and ways to go? And we're going to go deeper into those and being safe in future episodes, but there's a why angle to this. Like, so, you know, why should, why would I want to investigate it um, or get on the, the dark web? And, you know, when I talk to practitioners, um, it, it really depends um, there's, there's reasons to get on the dark web for a lot of different use cases and different teams, right? So it's a resource, if you will, to get the whole story, get, get a, a, a complete picture um, and provide additional context uh, for your investigation or your research or to corroborate it or even disprove it. But that, that goes across categories, right? Whether um, you're in the cybersecurity side or you're a SOC analyst, and so you're more so dealing with malware and the types of threats that are happening uh, or could be happening. Um, whether you're on the financial crime side, and so you know you're looking at um, have credit cards been released, or you're you're um, uh, again looking for passwords that have been breached. So from from financial crimes to cybersecurity to political movements, the the dark web, as we said on the on the illicit side or illegitimate side, there's it's full of information that could be valuable in any of those scenarios for you as a you know in terms of your investigation. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And lots of use cases out there. You touched on a few of those mm -hmm. uh, things like stolen corporate data, right, or credentials, leaked company data breaches. Uh, you know, if you're if you're doing investigations for on behalf of a company or organization, it's probably helpful for you to know if there is data that's out there uh, that was stolen from your organization and also to be able to access that data, right? And then now apply that to your, your security processes. Uh, also looking at malware or ransomware sales or, or websites or other things like that. Uh, illicit sales of, let's say, guns uh, or ammunition or uh, perhaps narcotics. All those things mm -hmm. are also sold uh, and exchanged on the dark web. So, you know, you may be a law enforcement officer interested in, in those types of targets. Also tracking financial crimes, things like money laundering, credit card theft and use, uh, insider trading. Uh, and of course, you know, also other, other law enforcement activities uh, also benefit from the dark web, such as uh, counterterrorism operations or tracking human trafficking. All of these things, um, uh, when you're committing these types of crimes, they require a certain degree of uh, anonymity, or at least the the uh, veil of anonymity. Mm -hmm. And we can get into that in a couple of other episodes. But um, that makes 
the dark web and Tor especially attractive to to criminals. So it's it's great for us as investigators as well. Well, you know, before we close out, I do think there's some key things to consider. And again, um, as we go through the next several episodes and um, talk with various guests, um, you know, we're going to go deeper into topics around what you need to really consider before you access the dark web. But to, to highlight a, f- a few that that we've touched on so far, you, you know, you've got to be concerned with uh, malicious content on, on the dark web. And what we mean by that is malware. Let's be a little more specific um, in the sense of, you know, every site likely on the dark web, you have to you have to. Um, um, you have to believe that it's looking to put something on your machine and to infect you with some type of malware to, to pass along. So, you know, that's, that's one element. Um, there is, while, while it claims to be anonymous, um, you do run the risk of someone understanding who you are, right. And, and being able to attribute back to you that, and, and find out physically where you are or what company you're associated with. Um, so, there's the malware, there's the attribution side, but there's some other things that um, are going to be key. You know, what are your company's rules? We often get asked, uh, we even had one of the live questions was, you know, is it illegal or not to get on the dark web, which we answered and it's not illegal just to get on, but you know, depend, you can't be doing anything illegal. But even beyond that, there's just, what's your company's policy? What are your rules of engagement? Are you as an employee allowed to get on the dark web? And um, and last but not least, if, if you are going to get in the dark web, um, is there sort? Is there an audit trail? Is there somewhat? Is there something there that you can point back to that to, that is able to uh, prove what you did and didn't do, and what you did and didn't access when you got onto the dark web? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Those are, are great tips. And, and like you said, Jeff, in last week's episode, if you missed it, definitely go back and take a look at that. We did provide some uh, resources and references uh, to guide folks on some best practices there for accessing some of the content on the dark web. Well, thanks again to everyone for tuning into this week's show. If you liked what you heard today, you can, of course, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast. You can also watch episodes on YouTube and view those transcripts and other episode info on our website at authenticate. That's authentic with a number eight dot com slash needlestack. Also, be sure to follow us at needlestack underscore pod on Twitter. We'll be back next week with more information on the dark web and how you can safely use it in your professional research. To register for that episode, visit Authenticate. That's authentic with the number 8.com slash needlestack. We'll see you then. Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8, .com.